In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Gene Caballero about what it takes to build something from nothing. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 132. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plusky, and I'm today with Gene Caballero. Gene is the co-founder of GreenPal, which is described as the Uber of lawn care. GreenPal started in one market and has now grown to over 46 states. I asked Gene on the show today to talk about how he got his start, some advice he can give to other retailers who are just starting off, and his origin story. Super interesting. Watch the whole show and give some tips at the end that I highly recommend you check out. So now on to the show. Gene, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing good. Awesome to have you on the show. I love chatting with retailers and kind of getting into the origin story and kind of how you got your start and guess first where you are today or let's even back up so you're the founder of green pal right that is correct co-founder so make sure some, mm-hmm. people, some people get that it's an important thing um yeah uh, there's three of us total three total okay so three founders three co-founders the uber for lawn care what exactly is that yeah, so um, I guess uh, back a little bit, back up a little bit. Been in the landscaping industry. Me and another co-founder kind of been in the landscaping industry our whole entire life. You know, did it in middle school, high school, and college just for beer money. You know, um, and when I graduated college, I actually got a job in tech sales. Um, my territory was the West Coast, so I was kind of privy to you know the new technologies, the Uber, the Lyft, the Airbnb. And kind of knew that if somebody was going to, you know, summon a stranger to come pick them up for dinner or you know, stay on a stranger's couch, that at some point they would do the same with lawn care. And so we launched Green Pal in the spring of 2012. And uh, as of now, we're in 46 states and over 200 major markets. Okay. So it's something. So if I understand, let's say I want my lawn mowed or trimmed or whatever it is, right? Instead of having to call one random, like a couple different random lawn companies, I use the app or the site and that kind of finds here are some folks in my area, kind of connects me with them, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you need your lawn mode, you put the address, the day that you want it done. Um, that alerts all the pre screened vendors in the area that there's a new lawn up for bid. Those vendors bid on it. All those bids go to the homeowner and the homeowner can see the vendors rating, reviews, and price and decide who they want to work with. So our software basically just kind of connects and, uh, you know, is uh, kind of the whole connection process. Got it. Okay. Anything for uh, like snow removal or is it all kind of lawn stuff? Yeah, we actually did. uh, We actually started snow removal uh, last year as well. So kind of parallel uh, business models. So uh, we incorporated incorporated that last year. We're up in the Northeast here. So I feel like that's a pretty big (laughs) thing for us. Especially one of those things you don't think of it, and it snows. You look out the window, and you're like, uh, "I need someone I come over here right this. now." Yeah, I, can, I <laughs> yeah. can't do this right now. Or you like, you think you can, and you think it's going to be like four inches of snow, and it's really like eighteen. Yeah. And you're like, oh, been, it's oh. been compacted, and it's like, yeah. eh, this is more of a pain than anything. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, how long have you been doing this for, and how did you kind of get the start? Yeah. So uh, we started in this. Like the idea came about probably in the winter of 2012, early winter, and. You know, you kind of do your, you know, your preliminary Google search like, hey, is there anything out there like this? Um, you know, does any major huge conglomerate already have some sort of, um, you know, some sort of software in place? And we kind of 
saw a little bit, but nothing that um, had tackled it from the vendor side of it. Um, most companies at that point were more lead generation and were more geared to the homeowners, but um, there was no real true operating system for the landscaping professional. And that's kind of where our background came in. And so we kind of took a vendor first uh, development stand. And that's kind of how we, uh, you know, built the first product. When you say you started in 2012, you started building the product or when did it actually launch? In yeah, so um, the three co-founders that we had, none of us had any sort of web development um, you know, background. So what we did and what we thought everybody did was just go to a local uh, firm in Nashville and say, hey, we've got this idea. Can you build it? And of course, they'll tell you they can build it. They'll tell you, you know, the time you want to hear and the dollar amount that it's going to take. And um, so we did that in the spring of 2000, actually in the summer of 2012. And about eight months after them building what we thought was going to be a usable product, um, they delivered something that was unusable and they went out of business. So we were actually in the hole $125,000 before before even having a usable uh, a usable website. How'd you guys find um, the original 125? Just savings? yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it was just uh, all three co-founders just kind of put our put our money together and 401ks and all that stuff. And just kind of and got the um, unusable product and everyone. <laughs> yeah, the, the only the, honestly, it's kind of funny now, and it's a blessing in disguise that it happened. But the only thing that we kept, uh, they created a, a animated video of like how GreenPal works. We kept that; it was like a minute, and we just kind of tell people like, yeah, it was. $125,000 video that uh, was not directed by James Cameron. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, still used to this day, and that's the only thing that we kept. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're running an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com BOE. That's drip.com BOE. Now, onto the show. So you see so many people, right? They have this like little bit of adversity at the beginning and get that like first like punch and then just stop. Uh, uh, and that's like, but you didn't, right? Like it's obviously you kept going. So like what, how, what kept you going at that point? What kept you saying, okay, maybe we just, we made a terrible decision, like back up, go the other way. Like, why did you decide to, no, we're just going to keep going forward? Well, I think it was more of like, you know, we knew we had something that people were going to use at some point. Um, just to back up, before we even gave them $125,000, uh, what we did is we went around to, I think probably for like two months in that spring, we had questionnaires on our iPads and we literally went door to door for, for a whole entire month or two, just knocking on people's door and saying, hey, we have this uh, new service that we want to launch. It's kind of like Uber for lawn care. Uh, first, do you actually get your lawn mowed or do you do it yourself? Um, you know, how do you vet these people? How do you pay? And would a service like ours, uh, be something that you would be interested in using? 
And so we asked that question to hundreds of hundreds of homeowners during that one month period and gathered, gathered all this raw data. And after those, uh, those very humiliating times, you know, ruining barbecues and parties and stuff like that and going door to door, which is just a lost art in itself, we realized that, you know, half the people, you know, said they would use a product like DARS for the simple fact that, you know, they don't have to leave a check under the mat or they don't have to leave, you know, cash or they don't literally they don't want to talk to anybody. You know, it can be done without without, uh, you know, having to meet the person at the property or anything like that. So we had that data and we knew that we wanted to move forward. And, you know, after that, um, after that debacle, $125,000 debacle, you know, half of it was just like, OK, we need to get our money back somehow. And uh, we've got a good enough idea, we think, to, to move forward. And uh, that's when one of our co-founders uh, quit his day job and went to software school here in Nashville to learn wow, I love this. Build a website. So um, it took him about six months and he had a, a consultant that he was that he was working with through the Nashville Software School that kind of helped guide him build the whole entire process. Um, and during that process, we were doing usability tests, um, working with with designers and kind of tweaking everything while the, the back end stuff was being built. So we kind of took that year to kind of just, you know, make this a usable product that uh, we didn't have to outsource anything other than design work to uh, uh, to anybody and kind of kept our costs low and, you know, seemed to work out. And that's the very first piece of advice I would give anybody is to have a, uh, you know, some sort of tech team, you know, person, uh, on the roster. So if you can't, and if you can't find a tech co-founder, you gotta just create one. You just gotta <laughs> take yes. one of your co-founders and put them in school. And all right, now you're the co-founder. Really, really want to make it happen. Um, you know, a lot of things are a little bit different than they were, you know, seven, eight years ago that, um, you can kind of cobble some, um, some things together and, and get something, get an MVP going and, uh, start making some revenue. I think that's the coolest thing I've talked to. Not many people have done that successfully, pulled that off. Not many people oh. kind of guts. I don't know what it is, but a lot of people, they keep thinking I have to hire someone. I have to hire. I have to, and they literally just keep doing that 125 and they just keep doing that again and again. And then. Well, if you think about it, it's just going to nickel and dime you to death. Yeah. You know, your site is down on a Saturday. Yep. You're going to call, you know, your firm, the person that who, who, who built it to, Hey, make this change. Why are we down? And it's, you know, it's hundred dollars an hour. So, I mean, we would have been out of business even faster if we would have, if it, if it would have worked out perfectly. So that's a blessing in disguise. And, you know, now all you need to do, you know, if we have a change, we just tap somebody on the shoulder and say, Hey, make this change. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize the, <laughs> when you start, when you start, right, you think, Hey, when I build this and you get this quote, right? hundred grand and we're going to have this, but mm -hmm. you don't realize how this is really like, to actually get your vision built the way it should be, it's probably a million or whatever that number is, right? It's never ending. You know, yeah. you constantly want to make your product perfect. You want to... And that's the other piece. Yeah, you want to make conversion easier. You want to take anxiety out of the whole onboarding process. So it's a constant, it's a constant evolving, you know, organism. And um, you just need a technical co-founder almost to be able to make those changes and implement those changes sooner than later. Yeah, I always think of it like... Um, It'd be like getting your kitchen remodeled, except when you have a contractor, they never go home. They just stay in your, they just like live in your kitchen forever. And every day you're like, Hey, can we move that over there? And they're like, yeah, sure. Let's keep trying. And like, it just, it'll just go on forever. The contractor never yeah. leaves. 
want to change this faucet. So uh, yeah. yeah, every day they got to move the faucets around. Just gonna wake up and put them somewhere, and you don't realize that that's software. That's just you, and people think it's like the hiring the contractor. They build the kitchen, go home, you enjoy it for the next ten years. It's not like right. that. The contractors don't go home. They just they it, live in the kitchen with you. You want to stay relative. You've got to make constant changes. Yeah. So that's so. Anytime you're basically like what you guys did, build the tech stack from the ground up. So you're not going just using off the shelf. You know, taking a Shopify and running a couple of plugins. You're coming up with. We have to build. We really do have to build our own platform here, um, or highly customize something that's off the shelf. Yeah, then, but either way. Exactly. And then you want to build it for the future. You don't want to build it for now. You know, we want to build it. We have a hundred thousand people, you know, a week using it as opposed to, you know, the 200 that are using it now. So got to kind of do a little more forward thinking as well. Yep. So then, so that was, so it took you probably what into 2013, 2014 to actually get yeah, 20, about halfway through 2013, we were kind of able to, to kind of, you know, launch it and, um, and, Try to find new ways to, to get people to use us. <laughs> so so now you you launch, you got the product, you got it in hand, and you have a bunch of user testing. So you're like, I know these people want it, and I know now we have the thing they want. So you have the two like ingredient you have the two like raw ingredients, but then what did you do to put those two ingredients together? Yes, yeah, so a, a lot of it, um, you know, you obviously have to have uh, you know, the 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 vendor side. Um so homeowners, you know, when they come to your website, don't they don't get quotes, then they're never coming back. So our biggest problem was getting vendors uh, on board. And what we did is we just went on Craigslist and just cold called, you know, guys that were throwing their landscaping business uh, on Craigslist. And we called those people um, until we got maybe 20 or 30 in the Nashville area. And, um, that's when we kind of started, uh, you know, doing the, the press release and stuff like that in, 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 uh, in the Nashville area to, to help bring some awareness to our, uh, to our website. So, you know, until about three years ago, that was still, um, a hand cranking process, the, the vendor side of it. When we launched a new market, you know, we pulled call, we would, you know, send text messages and uh, into the area and get, you know, 10 to 15 vendors and then launch. So uh, now we've automated that process and that's allowed us to grow you know, exponentially about two to three markets a week now. Wow. So you've basically did the almost the two most difficult things in launching a business, right? Oh. So first you basically launched a software business without a technical co-founder. And then you're essentially launched a double-sided marketplace, which is one of the notoriously it's one of the best businesses to, to run, but one of the toughest businesses to start, right? Because you're not selling to one customer, you're selling to two completely different customers with, so, and it's not, so you don't have to just get to know this one customer very well. You need to get to know the customer, let's say, in the vendor side, and you need to understand both of them and basically sell to both of them before you right. get your first sale. Right. And, you know, till this day, we still do usability tests. But that first year that we launched, we were meeting with vendors on a weekly basis. Um, we were actually meeting with homeowners as well um, that use our product. And, you know, hey, do you mind meeting us at Starbucks for 15 to 20 minutes? Um, you know, we'd kind of tell them to walk us through their experience. And, um, you know, we did usability tests probably for the first two years just to kind of keep maintaining you know, where there may be confusion or a website where we can maybe pick up some, um, you know, some customers that have fallen off. So, 
that data is just, you know, it's invaluable when it comes to those first couple of years that uh, typically a lot of businesses go under because, you know, they don't have that data or they're, they don't know how to get it. But, um, you know, after going door to door for, you know, a two months asking a customer to meet them at Starbucks is just, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy to do. So. Well, then you kind of build up that, like that understanding of the customer so intimately, right? You've sat down and you've quite literally had a coffee with them um, at Starbucks. And you, so I think what a lot of people are doing is they're skipping over that step and they're copying someone else that's a little further ahead. And they're saying, okay, what do they do? And they're doing what they do, but not, they don't know why they do it that way, right? So then they, all they can do is copy them, but they can never actually like understand the customer so they can never really innovate. They're, all they can do is just copy their competition at that point. And it sounds like right. you guys and really it, got that understanding up front. Yeah, and it was like, you know, some of those initial uh, meetings were so beneficial to, you know, you've been in the landscaping industry your whole entire life. And I was a homeowner for most of my adult life. You know, and there's some things that, uh, that, that we didn't think of that were just like, oh, shit, why didn't we think of that, you know, or why is this here? So a lot of that, a lot of that data is, uh, you know, help change our onboarding process, um, what homeowners expect and, and kind of what vendors are looking for. So that whole, that whole, you know, that whole, you know, year, year and a half of getting that data from the initial users was, was, was just, I mean, you can't put a value on it. It's, it's incredible. And at a, at a, at a perfect time in your business when, you can make changes really quick. And if you need to do a whole, a whole different overhaul on something, you know, you're not going to piss off thousands of people. You're going to piss off some friends and some family and, you know, the, the early adopters that, uh, that are using your product. So it's, it's very beneficial to, to get that data up front as yeah. soon as possible. Well, and like you said, you can be very nimble at first, right? So yeah. 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 And things can, things can change overnight and it doesn't really affect anyone. No one's really kind of, like relying on this, but as you grow, now you have people that are counting on this and like every, every two weeks they use this, they use a site, they kind of expect it to be the same. And when you actually, even if you improve something, it's almost, now it's changing there. You know, some homeowner now he has to like learn some new button he has to press, doesn't like it. So you're almost wow. like adding a obstacle for the current users when you right. add a new feature. When it could have taken you, you know, an hour and a $5 coffee to get that information. Yeah. What was it like dealing with the vendors? Cause I feel like a lot of these folks aren't very tech savvy. These aren't, you know, a lot of them, they're out, right? They're mowing lawns and no. like that. They're not, they're not sitting behind a computer all day. Um, and, that and no, like? that, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. You know, a lot of them, you know, uh, you know, dealt with stuff, pen and pad, yeah. you know, like they had their schedule on a, on a piece of notebook paper that they had in the, uh, in the passenger seat, you know, so, uh, we knew we had to make it super easy for them to use and beneficial as well. So, you know, if we could get a vendor, you know, 10 to 15 new jobs, then um, he's going to, you know, tell his, you know, his uh, current non-Green Pal homeowners that he wants to bring them onto this platform. You know, so that's kind of a channel that we used for growth as well is not only would we have to get you new customers, but we make it so easy for you to get new customers and get paid that you want to bring your non-Green Pal customers onto the platform just because we make it so damn easy. Well, um, yeah, but, how about our payments, right? Because these guys are probably, yeah. they want to go out there and they want to, you know, do work, get paid, but probably half of their day is like collecting money from people that... Yeah, you know, growing your business and doing your accounts receivable whatnot are the biggest two pain in the asses uh, in the business. And, 
you know, if you can just show up and mow, then, you know, we've, we've solved a, a lot of the problems. And that was kind of our, uh, you know, kind of our mindset is like, okay, if we can just give them a tool that only costs them 5%, you know, very low dollar amount, um, give them, you know, added benefits of, you know, not only take care of your demand creation, we take care of your scheduling, we take care of your route optimization, uh, we take care of your uh, emailing uh, throughout the year for additional services and also your payment processing, then it's kind of a no-brainer to to join GreenPal and to also kind of bring your uh, your non-GreenPal customers into the platform. So they only have to pay 5% to be on it? It's, it's a 5%. Mm-hmm. And does that include credit card processing fees or is that... Yes, yeah, so uh, we yeah we use Stripe. So Stripe takes their two point eight percent, and we take our five. So vendor gets about ninety two percent of right. uh, of everything. Okay, so they pay, that's five five percent for you, and then Stripe gets there whatever it is. Perfect. Yeah, got it. And you know we were making those cold calls, getting these vendors online. You know it was uh, it was eye opening that you know that that they were just like okay, you know where am I getting screwed here? I'm like no, you're not getting screwed. It's just five percent. And so you kind of knew that. The margins were super thin in this industry that if you were trying to charge somebody a, a monthly fee or a, or a fee to bid or something like that, that it was going to be it's going to be very, very tough to, you know, to, to keep somebody engaged and to, uh, you know, to have their, uh, you know, have their business. So we knew that that 5% was probably the most we were going to be able to charge. And that's still, I mean, that's a great deal for them. Just as, yeah. And it's it's great for you once you're at scale, right? Because right now it sounds like you have, you know, 26, 26 states, you said? No, 46 states. 46, yeah. At 46, you're probably doing okay on 5%. But right. on that Can't first, get- yeah, but on that first <laughs> user mowing that first lawn, 5%, you're like, oh, okay, we made, you know, a couple bucks. We're going to spend this dollar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we just <laughs> reinvest that in another one of those coffees over there. Um, yeah, so that, and that's like the... That's the thing with a double-sided marketplace, any marketplace, right? Where it's great at scale, but really tough to start because that first user does not bring in a lot, right? So at what point could you actually, you and your other co-founder now, so we went what, like 2015, let's say, when did you and the other co-founder actually say, all right, we can like, we can jump ship and actually all go in full-time? Yeah, so it was 2017 where we're just like, okay, we got to, be all in and um, take this thing to the next level by just, you know, putting our heads down and growing as fast as we can while providing the best service that we possibly can to both sides of the market. What was it in 2017 that made you kind of think, okay, now's the time? Was it you had a it, certain it, revenue? Or? Yeah, it was it was revenue related. It was like, you know, if we can get to this certain point, uh, we can pay, you know, uh, a couple hundred bucks a month for, for expenses per co-founder. Yep. And uh, kind of rationalize the whole fact of like, all right, like this, let's get serious about this and uh, not have this a hobby. Let's make this, you know, as big as we possibly can. How was it going from, you know, part time, like nights and weekends to jumping in full time? I mean, it was it was kind of a relief because when you have a, a corporate job during the day, you know, all you're thinking about is what you need to do at night, you know, with your with your business. And it kind of takes over your life. You know, you don't have one. Um, you know, you have to pay the bills and then you have to work on this. So it was, it was kind of a relief that, uh, you know, you only had one thing to worry about as opposed to, you know, another job and, you know, hitting quotas and all this other stuff. So it was a relief, but, you know, still kind of scary. Um, but you know, the good thing is, you know, older in life, you know, in your thirties, you probably have a little more money saved. 
than you do in your 20s. And so you kind of have a little cushion of, uh, of money that can kind of get you through the dark times. Flip side, right? Because you also might have more expenses. Might oh, might be married. Sure. Might have some kids. Then there's, you know, yeah. There's always it was that. two 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 rental properties that I had to sell, and a four hundred one k had to cash out. So the dark times came and came and went, and yep. uh, you made it through. And made it through. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people see that moment where they're going to leave their full time job, and they see it as like, you know, everything they'll there'll be like not much work. Like all of a sudden it'll be easy. Like they'll be switching to easy mode. What they don't realize is it's more work. It's more, it's by, more work by a lot. Yeah. And you're already doing a ridiculous amount of work because you were doing it at night. And now you're saying, all right, let's do all that night work. But now we're just going to do it all day. So instead of just being, you know, two hours a day, now we're going 10 hours a day on this thing. So it's not like you're taking those two hours and all right, I get everything else is free now. Now you're just dumping all your time into this one thing. Right. And then there's just never, there's never an end to the things that you can do. You know, there's, there's always new markets that can be launched. There's always, uh, you know, things you can do that, uh, that'll help grow the business. So the, the list is just, it's just huge and it just never ends. Hmm, gotcha. Yeah. It's one of those things kind of like the, uh, with the contractor, he's never going to go home. He's just going to stay in your kitchen forever. It's just going to keep. Yeah. He's going to set up shop in the extra bedroom. Yeah. Well, and cause you can always, right. You can always, Add new markets, add more vendors, add more users, optimize what you already have going, right? Um, Once you figure out, you know, how to duplicate and replicate, you know, it's, it's, uh, it makes it a little bit easier. So we kind of learned that in 2015, 16. And, uh, you know, even though the process was still a little slow, we knew what it, what we needed to launch a new market. And then, you know, after that, we we're able to automate it and grow even faster. So this takes learning and, and, you know, executing. What do you spend most of your time on today doing? Uh, a lot of it is growth. So, um, granted, we've we've been fortunate enough to launch in a lot of the major cities, but a lot of the states have you know five or six sub markets in every state that are huge as well. So, you know, kind of going back through the U.S. and launching those uh, you know those second tier markets, which are just thousands of, and that's kind of where we are, uh, are are kind of concentrating. Well, I'm concentrating my time on right now. So basically, run that. So you have the same playbook. You launched in the forty-six states, but there's other like I know. So I'm from Boston here, but then there's Western Mass, right? And that's a whole nother, whole nother world. Another set of vendors. They right. wouldn't go back and forth ever. So exactly. that's a whole different market. So you're sit, you're going different, back to those exactly different media outlets to pitch, um, new vendors to get all that landing pages to be built, all that stuff. So. Um, the process is pretty simple, you know, when you write it out or, or talk it out, but you know, you still kind of have to, you know, do the task. So yeah. just a lot yeah. easier now than it was four years ago. So now you basically have a playbook, right? So you say, Hey, we yeah. wanna, here are the five or 10 markets we want to target this month or whatever it is. And let's just hit, you know, here are the steps. There's a check one through one, two, one through 10 checklist, but yep. just execute now. And now it's just about executing. That is, that is 100%. It. You know the playbook, write it down in four steps and move on to the next market. Four is better than 10. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. So if someone was sitting there listening at home right now or wherever they are, and they were thinking, hey, you know, I have an idea, I have this app or I have this e-commerce I want to launch, what would you recommend? To, what would you be saying if, if you could speak back to you in you know, 2012, what would you want to tell that person? Oh man, <laughs> uh, you know I have friends that that you know come to me and ask me for advice, and 
you know, sadly, the first thing I tell them, I was like, don't I, I say, don't do it. Like I say, don't do it unless you are 100 percent all in um, your wife, your significant other is 100 percent all in. Um, you can go without a paycheck for a year. Like I just tell them the, you know, the, the blunt truthness up front of, of, you know, what it takes to, to, to make it. Um, and another thing is just get out of the building. Um, yeah, you may think you have a great product, but if nobody is buying it, then it's kind of pointless. Um, and also how are you plan on distributing this, this new product? If you don't have a plan to, to grow this or get this in front of people, then, you may have the best widget, but with zero sales. So those are kind of the main three things I would go back and tell myself. And, and, and like I said, talk to strangers, talk to go door to door. It's not illegal. Um, you know, I forgot, I even forgot about this, but uh, we actually rented a kiosk at the mall um, one weekend and we were literally, you know, giving out $5 Starbucks gift cards you know, for people to sit down and fill out a questionnaire about our, our business. So, you know, we, we did everything we possibly could to get as much data as we possibly could to make sure that this thing had legs and for us to move forward. So get as much feedback as you can from any and everybody. Uh, realize that it's going to be a lonely journey and make sure that you've got buy-in from, you know, your, uh, your close friends and, and stuff like that. I've seen a lot of a lot of bad endings when it comes to that so just be careful yeah sounds like this it's a long journey you want to make sure everyone's on the same page on that one in the family yes yeah. everyone's kind of in it together at that point yeah for sure i think mark even said it takes eight years to be an overnight success and that's it's so true yeah no and that's what i hear from a lot of people you don't everyone kind of asks like how did that work and you're like well, you've been doing it for years so i didn't, didn't just stop working last week it just you know i just failed like hundred times or a thousand times, whatever it was. I like the idea too, of doing the talking to people. Um, did you ever read the book, the mum test? Oh no, I have not read that one yet. Fantastic book on kind of just going out and basically not just asking, would you pay for this, but finding out, do you already pay? What do you pay for this thing currently? Uh, you know, like how gotcha. much are you paying for this now? Cause a lot of people, if you say, Hey, would you go do X? I say, yeah, it sounds great. But then if you say, Oh, you, are you spending money on that now? And they're like, Oh, I do that. You know, I expect right. that completely free. You know, like, right. would you pay for someone to go pump your gas for you? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Like, oh, do you pay for someone pumping gas now? And you're like, no, they just do it for free at the gas. And like, all right. So you wouldn't, so you like the idea of it. You just wouldn't pay, but you kind of knew going in, right? You're like, they're clearly paying someone to cut their lawn. They, they want, either they're doing it themselves or they pay someone. There's really only like, it's pretty binary here. So do you pay for your lawn being cut now? Yes. Okay. You would be a customer. Right. Yes. And that's kind of the, the approach we took. And uh, Steve Blank also has a good book. I think it's called uh, The Four Step to Epiphany. Yes. It's, yep. And it's about, you know, getting out of the building and getting that initial feedback and not just from friends and family, because they're going to tell you what you want to hear. You know, strangers are going to kind of tell you what you need to hear sometimes. So. Take some notes here. I want to include that in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. I love the talking to the users. And this, it's a recurring thing on this show and everyone kind of talks about it. And then I know from actually like seeing so few people do it and actually just, you talk about building those like custom advertisers. I've mentioned this literally like 50 times and still people don't do it. And just writing down, here's my user, you know, like, you know, uh, homeowner David and like, 
here's what he's all about. And he like, you know, he wants his lawn done every two weeks. It's about how much he makes. He's married. He's has his kids, but wants to go to baseball games. On, like that whole, like understanding that person and that really, and having, you're not just selling to people with homes, with lawns, you know, it's not that general, you know, that am I selling to the, the husband or the wife? What do they look like? Are they married? Are they, how old are they? You know, cause you're not selling to the 20 year old that just bought his first home. Most likely you're selling to the 30 year old that's too busy and working a job. And so knowing that is something you get in that, te- that kind of user testing that I think some people just skip over and miss that stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we'd be where we are today if we didn't get that data up front. It's just, it's so valuable. But, uh, very humiliating, and it's it's the you know the worst thing that we've probably probably done personally is you know go knocking on people's doors and you know standing at a kiosk at the mall. But you know you look back at it, and you know now that uh, now that the data has been so valuable, it's kind of fun to talk about it. And, Never would I go back to do it again, but you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly necessary. Awesome! I love the journey. That's uh, super interesting. I would, you know, if I had a lawn, I live in Boston. I don't have a lawn. I would be a customer. So I have a, a little patch of mulch. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it sounds it sounds like something people should definitely check out if people want to kind of learn more about you, kind of see the site and what you've been working on. What can they do that? Uh, they can just go to our website, uh, yourgreenpal.com, and kind of check us out. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, has any questions, they can certainly do that as well. I'm on LinkedIn, and uh, my email can be found. Um, if you want to get my email out, you certainly can. All right. I will link to your uh, LinkedIn over there, and if people want, they should definitely reach out. So appreciate that. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Gene. For sure. Thank you.